Yo, what's going on, everybody? It is one o'clock in the afternoon here in Crystal Lake, Illinois. That means it's time for another live stream. Today is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And guys, it is getting hot again here in the northern Illinois area, Chicago suburbs, far end of the Chicago suburbs, uh, to be uh, very plain. And um, yeah, this morning, I was just absolutely soaked by the time I was done with my run. Hopefully, you guys are doing better out there especially every, all of you guys on the run right now listening to this in the podcast audio-only version. Hopefully you guys are, um, one, not running in too much humidity, and number two, not also not getting poured on. We're supposed to get some pretty strong thunderstorms later here today as the humidity has been building, so hopefully you're not getting any of that right now. And everyone watching this on YouTube later but not live, welcome to you guys as well. Hopefully you've had a great day and are at a time of the day where you can just relax all right let's see who we got in the chat we got bart oach that says happy wednesday just two days till vacation jc says good afternoon steven c says 1984 says hello sean marshall says hey hey what's going on sean ben n says hi everyone it's been a while hope you're all doing well ed chan says i haven't joined one of these live streams in weeks nice background oh thanks ed yeah you know it's been a little bit of a journey Got a little bit of, I got trolled a little bit, not trolled, but like, got, got, you know, I got teased a little bit for the last background that didn't quite work out. Very much looked like a shower curtain behind me. It wasn't a shower curtain, but it looked like that. Now we got just a gray piece of paper, like a big gray sheet, which uh, I think works out pretty good. Um, Tony 49 says, hope you all are having a good runs today. Awesome. And Sean Devlin says, hey, everyone, with a wave emoji, says, I had a pretty good eight mile run this morning. I needed that. Nice. Nice. So for today, I went on a, um, a run, explored a new park called Lippold Park, um, which is over by Crystal Lake, the namesake for this town. Um, so I actually got to see Crystal Lake for the first time ever today. Uh, but from afar, I couldn't get too close to it uh, with the route that I had chosen. But I also got to see Lippold Park. And um, it was um, pretty good. Eight mile run. But you know what I found? So this today's video was about uh, me doing some 5K workouts. And um, I did another 5K workout yesterday, uh, which that video will be coming out probably closer to next week or maybe over the weekend. And what I found is like 5K workouts, you know, I'm not, this is not nothing like groundbreaking. 5K workouts are very different than marathoners workouts. For me, the big thing is 5K workouts hurt in the moment. But the rest of the day, I felt really good. I felt pretty energized the rest of the day. Marathon workouts hurt the rest of the day. Like I need a nap, the you know, I'm just exhausted. But the following day, I'm usually feeling relative, I might need a recovery run, but like I still feel like good. Today, I felt terrible <laughs> after the 5K workout yesterday. So I don't know if it's just the increased humidity that's been hitting me or just the different way that like those speed workouts hit. But I, I felt pretty terrible on my eight-mile run this morning. It wasn't even eight miles. Seven three-quarters. I didn't go as far. Uh, Andy's here. He says, just watched the 5K video and loved it. Yeah, Andy, I'm going to try to get some speed in these legs, see what these legs have. You know, I've been hearing a lot lately, you know, people like debating. Like, do you really lose that much speed as you get older? Or do you really just lose the tolerance for the speed workouts as you get older? And, you know, there's higher injury risk because your body doesn't bounce back quite as quick, all that kind of stuff. So I, I really think that, I mean, for me, I don't have a lot of speed work, you know, lifetime miles in, in me. So I feel like there's a lot of headroom. I'd like to spend the next, you know, six weeks or so, seven weeks really working on it. And I think just have a lot of fun. Um, get out of the comfort zone. Do a lot of, like, dry heaving on the track and uh, see how it goes. Now, um... Uh, Frank had started out the chat today saying that the track at the elementary school near him is 160 meters, which that was, I was terrified that that was going to be the case for me because I got to the track, I spotted it online and like did a Google Maps thing on it and it had a really long straight that was longer than the track itself. So I was like, what, what is, what is that? And I'm guessing like, oh, this must be a short track. And that long straight must be the 100 meters. So they could do a straight 100 meters. So that's how, that in, in fact, is what it, what it is. But I haven't, I didn't take a wheel and go measure this other track. It's the closest school to where I live. And I actually tried to go to the high school yesterday. 
but everything's fenced off and locked, um, which seems weird to me for a public school to do, but um, that's what they did. So I, again, went back to the same small track. And I at first guessed that it was going to be 200 meters, and I was like, oh, if I'm going to be doing all these reps based on time going around this loop, I should know what it is. But, you know, I did have, and, and, you know, GPS watches aren't so great at measuring distance on around a 400 meter loop. So a two or a shorter than that loop, like a 200 meter loop, I knew was going to be problematic, but I'd gotten close enough to, you know, 0.125 miles for each lap around the track enough times to give me confidence that it is in fact a 200 meter loop. So I, th- I, th- I think I'm confident that it's a 200 meter loop. Otherwise all my training is off. So, which could be could be the case. Either way, I'm working hard. I'm kicking my own butt, uh, and I'm having fun doing it. So, hopefully, it's the right size that I think. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Eric says, uh, you know, he's got to say he's totally jealous of his colleague and friend who can still rip four ten to four fifteen minute miles per minute, um, or four ten to four fifteen minutes per mile. Uh, when he wants, and he's almost 53. He hasn't lost much at all. That's incredible. That's really incredible. That's like uh, Nick Willis. Is your friend Nick Willis? Although I think Nick Willis is still a sub four guy. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Carlos Engelong says, the three public high school tracks are locked off near me too. So I think that's really weird. I mean, like, you know, I was thinking about it a lot. I am going to probably call up the school just to just double check. Is like, is that supposed to be open to the public? Or does it just get locked up because it happens to also house the football field and they don't want like kids like or people um, just getting on the football field and, and like tearing up the turf. I feel like tracks being locked up is not about the track. I feel like tracks being locked up is about the football field generally. Um, but, you know, that being said, tracks are expensive facilities to maintain. But, um, yeah, it just it's like... Um, it's strange to me, but like, on the other hand, like, I don't think it's strange that I can't go play basketball in the gym at a public high school, like when school's not in session. I think there's a lot of difference there, but namely that a track is an outdoor facility and that many of the lanes are not being used most of the time, even when the track team is out on there. So, you know, um, it's disappointing to me when tracks are not open to the public at public schools. Um, Scott Scruel says, any tips for a sore toe from sock rubbing? Um, I would say try to find like some, if you really need to, you could try and get some second skin um, or those other like bandages that you could put on top of the toe just to give yourself a little bit of extra padding. Or, I mean, if it's a sock rubbing, you know, depending on where it is, you could put like a regular bandage as well. Um, But I also would try a different material for the sock if that's something that's giving you a, a big problem. And Richard Wilson says, thankfully, my local mid-school track is gravel. I use it a lot. You know, I feel like it's highly underrated. Um, I've been seeing a lot of YouTube channels lately um, for people not in the U.S., people who are doing reps on grass tracks. And I'm like, that sounds lovely. And actually, the place that I ran today, Lippold Park, L-I-P-P-O-L-D Park, there's like baseball fields. There's a little skate park there too. There's a mini golf course, which my family's super excited to try. Um, and then there's like all these like crushed gravel or I think it's crushed limestone trails, which were lovely. There's like a little 5k loop. It's beautiful, mostly completely flat um, and a lot of shade. So I think I, I could see myself doing a lot of long runs out there. Um, but there's also like a lots of really very flat grassy areas for soccer players. But I'm thinking like, oh man, I wish I need to find a way to like do a quick and dirty like for how do I figure out or map out my own 400 meter loop so I can do like repetitions on the grass like oval that'd be nice I feel like that'd just be good for building strong ankles so yeah um Bob Geiger says in Australia every mondo track has a grass track near it they only use mondo for training yeah see that's I mean I think I think that's a great great way to do it Duke BB says, there's a nice track at a private school near him that's open, very convenient. See, that's that's cool. That's cool. I, I also, I mean, I don't want to just, like, you know, throw shade at the public schools because I do feel like a lot of the private private institutions also take a lot of government money to build and maintain facilities and such. 
and also for enrollment numbers and all sorts of other federal and state funding. So I feel like that should kind of like happen, you know, but you know, I know. I, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of like athletic directors that are like, this is my facility and I keep it locked up except for my athletes. There's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of that. Maybe that's a big oversimplification. Someone mentioned in the chat earlier that there's a liability issue for it. Yeah, but no, I mean, is it more so than like a public park? I mean, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Nicholas Holland said he had a PR in the mile last night at training at 453. Ooh, that's fast. Man. Um, in the comments for the YouTube video that I put out, people were like, what time? And I, I didn't put out what time like I'm hoping for for my like 5K training plan right here. And um, I'm shooting for something in like the mid-18. I think that like, you know, I'm not currently in any kind of race fitness right now. Well, I mean, like I could probably hop into a race, but like when I was like, you know, in marathon training, I felt like I could have run, you know, equivalently like I was in the fitness to run like an 1850. I haven't run that fast yet. I did run a 19 minute flat uh, in Eugene. So I like, I think I'm there. I think with some race specific training, I can get much further under 19 minutes. But you know, some people are like, are you shooting for like under 18? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. I don't think I can go that fast. Um, but like, you know, I don't have a specific time in mind because I want to just see how the body responds to like 5k specific training plans, um, and workouts. Um, cause usually when I like kind of train for a 5k or maybe if I've got a 5k time trial coming up on the calendar, I'll still kind of do like my marathon workout long run and I'll still do like my threshold workouts. And then I'll do like maybe one or two 5k specific workouts. You know, I don't really jump in with two feet. This time I'm going to try to jump in more, maybe not completely with two feet, but a little bit more, you know, get a little bit more skin in the game and, um, and see where I can, can go with it. Um, and people were like, well, like it'd be really weird, not weird, but it'd be highly unusual if a sub three guy was also able to run us under 17 for the 5k. And I'm like, I don't know all those translations. I don't know that they necessarily work. Um, like some people like equate like sub five mile and then the sub three half mar sub three marathon. And I'm like, I don't think that those are equivalent at all. Sub five, mar half, a sub five mile is so fast. Um, a sub three, you know, marathon is, is, is fast too. It's really hard for me to get to me many tries to get to that point. But I feel like I don't think that they're cool. It's just different systems and stuff. So like, I don't know. Um, I don't see myself getting under five minutes for the mile anytime soon. And I'm not as interested in doing milers workouts, but 5k workouts, that seems like more fun for me. So that's kind of where I'm at. Hmm. <laughs> Matthias Santos says, the two high schools nearest me, both tracks were open until one got new track servicing and immediately locked. See, that's lame. Nicholas says, my high school track is always unlocked as well as the middle school a couple miles down the street. Yeah, see, that, that, I feel like that's how it should be. I remember mine, I mean, in Western Dubuque, uh, Western Dubuque High School, my wife's school, they have a like they're like most high schools are football first and so they built this really nice concession stand area and ticket gateway entry so that way they can make sure that everyone's paying to see the friday night football game and part of that was to create fencing all around the football field which also means that there's fencing all around the track but the problem is the well the problem for the athletic director is that the track has always been open to the public and there's signs like they're much more hidden now, but there have always been signs saying like this place, this facility is open to the public. Here are the rules, you know, like no bikes, no scooters, just running kind of thing. Don't touch anything. Don't move anything. Those kinds of rules. And they're all laid out. Um, but what I've noticed that the Western Dubuque High School does is there's like, you know, four or five gates all around the circumference of the football field and also track. Um, the farthest one from where you would park is where that one that they leave open 
so that people in the public can get there. And so when I went to the high school yesterday, I thought probably they're doing the same trick. So I ended up walking around the entire uh, football field to be able to see if like any other way to get in and there, and there wasn't. Every single gate was very heavily locked. And there was also signs that said no trespassing, which I'm like, that's a weird sign that's saying no trespassing. That's like saying like, no, no crime, please. You know, it's like, don't do anything illegal. It's kind of like a redundant, unnecessary. It's a thing that literally does not need to be said. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was, I would be trespassing, but I thought it would be an open public to this, open to the public space. But unfortunately it's not. But, you know, I also, you know, I might try that again because I did get there. I wasn't there too early. It was like seven something. So late for my standards. But um, within like five seconds of me arriving, there was a dude in one of those little gators, those like motorized gas-powered golf carts, driving around. And I thought he was going to give me a hard time, but instead he just gave me a wave and drove by. And he was unlocking the gates to all the parking lots by the, all the softball fields that are in the area. So, I mean, this high school has a really big campus. And so, like, there's a long road that you drove down to get to different baseball fields and softball fields, and each had a little mini parking lot. And I thought maybe that guy would eventually come back and unlock the gate to the track and he never did i mean i saw him go back and then he went back into the high school building so i was just you know that's how it, how, it, how it goes sue says i'm fortunate i have two public parks near me that have tracks one is being totally replaced and renovated and decided to try a brand new track yeah i i um i used to have that too uh when i lived in in chicago uh down by the lakefront uh you know you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of thing Pierre Mayette says, hi couples, do you feel bad about your plane travel sometimes? I'm assuming you're talking about from a carbon footprint perspective. Uh, yeah, I do sometimes. I'm not really sure how to get around it or what to do about it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Scott says, our track has a sign, no dogs and no horse play. They kept it animal themed. <laughs> Uh, Thomas Run says, hey, Cohen Run fam, did you hear the McLaren racing team develop a super shoe called the High 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 Speed for 450? I didn't know what they called it, and I didn't know that they developed it. I thought it, I didn't know, like, so, like, Ferrari and Lamborghini both have, and Porsche as well, have done a bunch of licensing of their marks and trade names. Um, like, my old boss, my mentor from years ago, he had a Lamborghini uh, Asus laptop, which I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. When you booted it up, it made like a F1 sound. It was so cheesy. He loved it though. It was a fast computer, but it was kind of weird. And then there was like, there was a Porsche phone wasn't there. It was like several thousand dollars. Um, so I thought, I thought it was something like that. I didn't know that they actually developed like in-house or probably not in-house, but they probably collabed with a, a group, but are launching it under as if, you know, their own product. I just thought it was a licensed trade name situation. Um, yeah. I saw it. It's a disarticulated heel. It kind of looks like the Puma Fast R. So, because it was like it was bright yellow as well. So, this is interesting. Interesting. If someone sends that to me, I'll review it. But I'm not going to go spend my own money on it. I don't have high expectations for it. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Luis is here. Says, "Yo, what's going on? What's going on, Luis?" Uh, Charles Hammock says, "On average, how many times a week do you run? Off days? Trying to get to sixty miles a week without running seven days a week. So, any info advice would be appreciated." Um, I would say that on average, I probably run seven days a week. Some weeks it's more than that. I don't typically run doubles. When I worked at an office downtown, I would very frequently run doubles, and so I'd have like twelve runs a week. Um, but now it's usually seven or six. In my last marathon training block, I topped out at about 75 miles for a week. And I think I was running seven days a week then. In the lead up to that, I was running like in the high 60s, mid 60s. And then Mondays I would take off and I would switch out my run for a 90 minute bike ride, easy spin. So that's kind of how I, I would do it. Um, so if you're trying to do 60 miles a week, um, presumably, getting ready for either a half marathon or a marathon, 
you know, I think that, you know, you would, depending on where you are in the training block, like as you're closer to the marathon, you want to be closer to like your longest run should be, you know, probably around 20 miles. Um, but uh, if like you're earlier on and you want to hit 60 miles per week earlier on in the block, you know, your long run could be somewhere in the 15 to 18 mile a week range. And if you have one workout, like a threshold workout for the week, That'll probably, you know, that should probably with warm up and cool down included be somewhere around 10 to 12 miles. So let's say 12 and 18, you're already at 30. So then you need four more days if you're doing six to get to um, 60 miles. So that's 30 miles over four days, seven and a half miles a day. So that's how I would do it. Um, I'd probably after the long run, probably that's probably the day after the long run is where I might put in like a three mile recovery run. Um, if you're going to run seven days a week, but if you're going to run six, I'd probably recover or rest on the day after the long run. So that's how I would, I would do it just back with a napkin and stuff. Um, Laws, uh, Howell says, Hey Mike, sounds like you guys in the U S are lucky. Either high school tracks, uh, in the UK, uh, my hometown and current town, none of the schools have tracks permanent and or smooth anyhow. I, I mean, I think that's part of the difference, though, in terms of the way that track is kind of like um, cultivated in the two cultures. My understanding, I mean, I haven't run in the UK before, and I know very little about the UK academic slash athletic systems. But my understanding is that in the UK, a lot of running becomes very club oriented relatively early on. And there aren't exactly like high school and university teams that will like compete against each other, not like the NCAA system here. And so I think that's part of it. Um, but I also think that's probably why things like park run are so popular over in the UK and not so much in the US. And why people are, I think, I think just statistically speaking, maybe not statistically, but it just seems like there's more popularity amongst younger runners to be cross country or 5k runners than it is to be like an 800 meter runner or a miler here in the States. And so I think it's interesting to see how like those kinds of infrastructure choices really can have long lasting um, effects to the, the running community, like a generation later. But I think that, I think that's my suspicion is why that is the case that there aren't a lot of tracks in the UK. Um, but it does seem like when I do see Brits, doing like track type workouts it's on grass which i think is super cool which also makes me think like there should be better cross-country spike type technology then why isn't there better you know or why isn't like the next percent with the spikes and remember when like they would they would do like the four percent for gwen jorgensen with spikes on it a spike plate on it why i don't understand why there isn't more of that because that would be a lot of fun to run with something like that on a, on a grass track that'd be nice Nicholas says, as someone who just broke five in the mile, it is a different kind of run. Somewhere I really committed and did lots of 400 plus uh, miles for my fall cross-country season. Shooting for sub-17 by the end of the season. Nice, Nicholas. Um, yeah. I'm guessing that means a lot of 400s plus miles that he did for his um, for the fall cross-country season. You'll have to let me know if I read that right. <laughs> Adam says, you don't know what you got till it's lost. Pave paradise and put up a parking lot. Nice. Very apt. Um, all right. Nicholas said, I also have four to five teammates who are also sub five to pace me. For me, that is a key. Someone to pace. Changes the whole race. It certainly does. Having a pacer is nice. I just think that like for mentally, for me, like my... I'm very susceptible to when my mind has like all the red flags going off and it's like alarm bells are ringing and it's just like danger, danger, danger. Everything's about to fall apart. After a while, my I'm like, oh yeah, you're probably right. Things are about to fall apart. I should probably give up. That's kind of like the the normal like narrative that happens in my mind, whether it's over the course of three hours in a marathon or the course of five minutes and change or closer to six minutes for a mile for me. When I have a pacer, then like it's like alarm bells, this is emergency, emergency. And I like, I look over and someone like Ben Johnson is just like giving me a nice little wave and a smile. Then I'm like, okay, let's not freak out. This is fine. This is fine. 
we're going to be okay. So that's kind of like where having a pacer is just really nice. Also then it's just the same. The other thing is like, I spend so much mental energy in the, in the beginning of, I mean, the shorter the race, the more I'm like super petrified about it as I'm like, is this too fast? Am I going out too fast? Am I going out too slow? I don't know what's happening. What's happening. Is this, is this, this is wrong. This feels wrong. There's no way I can keep this up. So it's just like a incessant repetition of like neurosis where I'm just like, I think I'm doing it wrong. This isn't right. But when you have a pacer, you're just like, just follow that guy. Don't let him get too far. Arms length. You know, that's always nice. Mm, all right. Lindrick Butler says, currently a 430 marathon with the goal of sub three, chasing Boston. I'm overweight attempting to decrease my weight by 30 pounds. I'm thinking this should take me 9 to 12 months. Any tips or advice? I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist or anything like that, Lindrick. Um, and I don't, I mean, I've lost a lot of weight running, but I didn't do it intentionally. And my goal was, was to focus on the first part of your kind of question here. You're a 430 marathoner um, with a goal of getting under sub three, right? So let's focus on the workouts and the work you're going to need to do to be able to do that and the fueling and the lifestyle habits that you're going to need to adopt to be able to get to that level of performance. And then the weight will be what the weight is. I have a feeling you'll probably be pretty happy with where it ends up, but like, I think that like those I think are two like very different questions in my mind. Like, I don't care about my weight. I care about like, is my body in a physical composition to give me the results that I want? So like, I don't, I don't think that my body will change drastically in six weeks of me doing 5k training. But if I took say like a year to do 5k training, I think that would end up looking very different after that year than I do now after years of marathon training. And I would, wouldn't care. It's kind of how I feel about it. And so, um, that's the approach that I would recommend. Um, I think that a lot of times when people focus on the weight part of it, they end up under fueling and that'll derail your running plans pretty quick. And so it's just like a, it's like a self-sabotage that like, you know, you got to make sure you're fueling your body enough to be able to get through the workouts that you want to do so that it can rebuild, right? Cause everything, every workout you do depletes you. If you don't have enough nutrients going into that to replenish and rebuild on top of what's been broken down, it just becomes uh, an unshaky foundation. And then you just won't be able to build. You'll just keep digging a bigger hole and your body will go through all sorts of weird metabolic emergency kind of situations. That's my understanding of it. So uh, I love the goal. I started out at my first marathon was 443 or 448, something like that. Um, so, you know, it's doable. If I can do it, other people can do it too. Um, but I never did it with like the weight loss goal in mind. The, uh, the things, it'll all, it'll all happen. You'll be happy, I think. Mm, Shannon says, I, th I feel like you were hitting 80 miles a week before grandma's. No, I think I topped out at like 76 maybe. But I had a lot of like, it was very consistent. So basically like um, without, with seven days a week, I did seven days a week for like the last three weeks of training maybe. And so I was hitting like 76 that 90 minutes of running is about 10 mile run. So I was hitting like 66, 68, um, with the one day off. And so I was like, I, it was pretty consistent, but in high for me, um, not like record setting high for me. I've run more mileage before, but I was also putting in some good sessions. So I felt like it was a good balance for me. I'd like to see what could happen if I, maintain the quality sessions, but also increase the mileage just a little bit to get to maybe 80 and to see if my body can kind of handle that. Cause I feel like there's just more upside to it. <laughs> Sean Marshall, I like the typo here cause he, he does correct it and say awake, but at first it came out as how does one stay away doing from doing 70 miles a week? I'm like, well, there's lots of ways to get away from doing 70 miles a week, but how do you stay awake? That for me, the answer is I didn't, I took, I took naps, um, not super long was not like a professional would, but like, I just couldn't help it. Like I would just fall asleep in the afternoon for like 20, 30 minutes. And so I feel like the most productive way to do that is to just like give into it and, um, plan for it. Um, so that way it's not happening at an inopportune time. So that was, 
that was it for me. Um, all right. Let me scroll down a little bit further. Oh, I'm way behind you guys in the chat. Sorry. Mm. Frank says, losing weight while running is so hard. I'm in the middle of trying to lose 30 pounds before starting a training block. I'm about to go to eating only one meal a day, doing no speed work. Oh, that sounds tough, Frank. So, well, hopefully that you got someone helping you out with that too. Because I think I, I don't have enough information to guide people through that kind of thing. Um, okay, Nicholas Holland said when he was talking about the 400s, he wasn't doing 400s. He said that he had logged a total of 400 miles from the end of April. Oh, okay, in the training block, I see. Mm, yeah, he said when racing the 5K, you need a big aerobic base to convert into speed over the distance. Yeah, see, here's the thing for me, Nicholas. I've got a pretty good aerobic base, but like no... That's all I got is base. All I got is aerobic base. So I got to work on the other side of it too. So for me, I'm actually going down quite a bit in mileage. Um, so that way I can really focus on, you know, I'm really hammering those track sessions. Um, but I think, again, for the track sessions, they never seem like, other than feeling it's really hard to hit those paces. And again, those alarm bells start going off. But like, it doesn't, like the workouts, the total volume is never a, a ton. But it's just like, I'm just not used to running like that. And my mind just goes crazy. So, yeah. Lirawek, mm, I don't know how to say that. It says, any chance you coming to Sydney to run the Sydney Marathon one day, Co? Maybe when it becomes a major? Yeah, I mean, hopefully it becomes a major. Then I'll go. Or I'd like to go. Or then, well, then it becomes more likely than I can potentially team up with a brand that would send me. I think that's the kind of like the, the most realistic uh, way for me to go. I would love to go to Australia. Um, I want, is I, I basically, do you guys watch Bluey? The Disney Junior show? Um, I love that show. In my understanding, there's a guy on TikTok who lives in Brisbane. And he, I think, cause I think, I think, or whatever city that Bowie is kind of like loosely based off of. And there's actually a Bluey house. Um, the house that like is in Bluey is modeled after an actual existing house. And he's that TikTok guy found the house and I'm guessing he found it quote unquote, but like inside it's been, it was a normal, just regular house, but now it's been converted into like a Bluey, basically like museum. So I'd love to do that. <laughs> of all things um but like you know once you're down in that part of the world it's so far from here you know i'd love to be able to go on some trail runs in tasmania be, i just feel like that'd be insane do some really long runs in new zealand just spend like a long i don't know how i would spend a long time down there but um i'd love to do that i'd love to go to all the surf beaches not that i surf but just to go to some beaches um, yeah, I mean, it's just so far and my mind, and my mind is so like limited when it comes to travel imagination that I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. So if anyone wants to send me to Australia, I'll go, but you got to do the planning for me because I'm not that creative. Mm. Well, let me scroll down a little bit further. <laughs> Lou says you got to go to Hammer Barn when in Australia. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I want I like I, like if I want to go to the Hammer Barn and hopefully someone's having a stump day where we have to get the tree stump out of the backyard. Oh my goodness, that'd be so fun. <laughs> Sean says I've heard Bluey is actually the best kid show yet. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. Um, it's it's really like quite touching uh, on a lot of times and like the colors are, are very soothing the music it's very soothing for me um even when the kids are being like you know they, they portray the kids as sometimes being like a little bit over exuberant you know and like it's as much a show for for parents as it is for kids so i i like like i i tweeted a while ago like parents today have it so easy you guys have bluey and when I had a young kid, we had Caillou. 
and I just showed like a t- the tweet had two pictures, a picture of Caillou and then a picture of like a still frame of Bluey next to each other. That one, that is probably one of my best performing tweets. <laughs> mm, the Rook says, the Bluey house, I should check it out one day. Trail Run in Tasmania is amazing. Honestly, one of the most memorable moments of my life. Yeah, I mean, it, it would literally be on the other side of the world for me and some of the scape, the like the, the vistas out there. Um, just look incredible. Um, yeah, that, that'd be quite an adventure. Mm. Jason says, I like the idea of naps, but I always wake up feeling groggy or like crap. So I just prefer being just tired. It's not always a choice for me, Jason. That's the thing. Sometimes I just like end up falling asleep. Eric says that 20 minutes is a nap for a nap is his limit any longer. And I wake up like grumpy cat. Yeah, see, when I wake up from a nap, uh, I, I imagine like that's what it would be like if I had if they had like suspended animation, like you know those movie what, what movie does oh Interstellar when they put them to sleep and then they like go through space and then you wake up from like hibernation, like I whenever I have a nap, especially an unintentional nap, I feel like that. I'm like, what year is it? What galaxy am I in? What what just happened? That's kind of how I am when I wake up. I'm never grumpy. But like my body is sometime like if I get woken up from a nap like at the wrong time, um, usually when my wife's like, what are you doing? <laughs> sometimes she'll like, she'll do that on purpose to wake me up because she thinks it's funny. Not because she's mad that I, I fell asleep. Um, but she'll like just be like, but what's happening? Just to startle me out of, of my nap. Um, when that happens, my body just feels like there's weights on everything and I like can't get like super groggy and heavy. Um, and I'm just very disoriented. That's what happens to me. Mm-hmm. Bob Geiger says, my wife is from Spain and siesta is an hour to 90 minutes. Siesta was for real. I really felt like siesta was like anachronistic and like didn't exist anymore. Like the thing that like American tourists would come over and be like, how come everyone's not taking a nap? Um, but for real, I, I was, when I was in Malaga, I mean, I didn't think it would happen in Malaga either because it's like a more touristy place, but like it for real happened. Like we were in the town, like looking for a place to eat. We got a very late, late lunch and we were already seated and finishing up our meal as it was like siesta time. And like the waiter came over and was like, Hey, can I, uh, give you guys the check? Which I was like, that seems very not European for them to say that. I mean, he said it very politely, but like, um, I don't remember exactly how to phrase it, but he was like, basically, because I got to get out of here soon. Um, and we're like, oh yeah, absolutely, sure. And then like, it went from like super bustling, like tourist attraction town to like empty. Streets were super quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Like it was wild. And then like, we finished up eating we went back to the hotel i think i got changed and went for a run and by the time i came back from the run the city was like bustling again it was just so bizarre but then again everyone eats dinner at like nine o'clock and i'm like when do you guys get anything done i'm ready to go to bed at nine i needed to eat like three hours ago which i did i ate constantly when i was over there it was good but yeah yeah like so so those things really (laughs) that Going to Spain really threw off my internal clock. Um, ooh, Andrew says, heading to Paris in a couple of weeks, right in the middle of peak training weeks. Anyone have any 20-mile routes? Yeah, I mean, you just run just run along the Seine. Is that is the is there like a 20-mile loop you can run? There's, because like you can get down there, right? I don't know if that's still all open. It's been a long time since I've been in Paris. Um, but, I mean, hopefully I'll be going. For the Olymp- I got to start planning that. I would like to go to the Olympics in Paris. Um, but um yeah, that sounds awesome, Andrew. Have fun out there. You'll have to let you'll have to let me know. Make a route. Whatever you do, make a route and then you know and share it on Strava. Because I'll 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 try to run it too. Mm, oh Sean Devlin says I used to love Yoga Bagaba when my kids were younger. Yeah, my yeah. My kids never got into Yo Gabba Gabba, but I thought it was so awesome. I'm like, the, this is like the music on this show is good. I like it. <laughs> Luke Lyon says, Caillou was the worst. 
Yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't like dislike it as much as some people. Like, John, like, have you ever watched John Oliver talk about Caillou? He, he like goes off on it for all, like, I forget what he was talking about. It's one of those like non sequiturs when he just gets mad at something and he got mad at Caillou one day and everyone, like, it really resonated in like parent Twitter. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ka Caillou wasn't great. Frank says, I never understood the Caillou hate. I only saw it when my kids were watching it. For me, it was like everything was very high pitched. And like, I mean, not that shows today aren't repetitive. Like Paw Patrol, super repetitive. You hear that song every like two minutes. But like um, there was something about Caillou. And like it always just seemed like because they never colored the whole thing in, the screen was like mostly white a lot of the time. And so I think, I think part is just like, there was something about it that seemed very, I don't know. Odd. I also think that it's very, uh, right, right. You know, now it's very popular to be like angry at it. Um, but yeah, I watched a lot of Caillou. Oh. <laughs> Bob says Caillou is whiny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, AB says, are headaches after a 14-mile run in 85-degree high-humidity South Florida days a result of not drinking enough electrolytes? I drink Gatorade Endurance, take one double electrolyte chia seed gel. Um, I would say yes. Um, uh, that's primarily going to be it is not enough fluids and electrolytes during the run, and then your body is just like kind of like the, like the dehydration hangover is, I think, what you're feeling. Uh, again, I'm not a nutritionist so i can't say it for sure that's what's happening but that's how i always envision it um so i think that a couple of things that you could do is it depends on how much of the gatorade endurance you're drinking uh if you're getting enough fluid because like south florida i mean you're just gonna once you get outside you're just gonna start sweating so i think that you need to replenish a lot more fluid and i think one gel for 14 miles is probably not enough for you even if it's 14 miles easy for me, 14 miles easy and high humidity, I would probably want to bring two gels along. And, you know, I tend to not drink as much fluid and I like prefer to rely on gels a little bit more, but I'd probably bring on an easy run, like a like anywhere between 12 ounces to a liter of fluid. I, I don't know why I switched units that way, but I think it's because my hydration pack is a two liter one and I fill it halfway. But um, yeah, so that's kind of like, I, I might, do that if if you're feeling um, headaches. The other thing to think about too is to um, load up on you know some sport drink before you head out too to let it get into your system a little bit so you stay start out topped up and then monitor what you're doing afterwards too. Make sure you're eating, getting some food, some nutrition in, and some electrolytes uh, right away. So those are some things that I would look at. Um, Yoizen says, hey, was any tips for running a first marathon? I would say um, have fun. It's your first one, so it's going to be a great day. The other thing would be um, uh, be very wary of when you're feeling really good and it's not yet the halfway point because that's going to happen. You're going to be like, this is awesome. I'm going to go way faster than I originally thought. At least that's what happened to me. And um, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt later. So, you know, be if you're feeling really good early, Enjoy it, but don't change your pace yet. It's a little early for that. So just be be patient. Be patient. Mm. All right. Do a little bit more, and then we got to get going for a day. I got to finish. We went to Ikea the other day, and we bought all this flat pack furniture. I put together a dresser yesterday for my wife and I. Put together. I started putting together a dresser for my daughter. She wanted to help. My daughter and the baby both wanted to help. So that made like a one hour job take so much longer. And by like like three quarter, two thirds of the way through, I was like, well, you're 10 now. You can do the rest of it. She's like, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, it's like Legos. Let me know if you have any problems. She's like, okay, I'll try. And then the first time she had a problem, I was like, keep trying. And I just, I just totally bailed on her. I made her do the rest of it like by herself, except for some stuff where she needed another set of hands. But yeah, I was like, you can do it keep keep trying if you try it and do it wrong that's okay because you can always just undo it but try it 
And she eventually got it. took her all day, but she eventually got it, and she made her dresser. But now I got to make a bookshelf, and it's one of those complicated IKEA bookshelves with like doors and stuff, not just shelves. And then also we have uh, my daughter bought a desk. We bought some uh, end table or nightstands for the guest bedroom, and I want to make sure I get all that done before I leave for my trip. Which is why there's going to be, oh, that reminds me, no live stream tomorrow or Friday. I'm going to be in California with Running Warehouse, shooting some content out there. So it should be a lot of fun. Tomorrow's going to be a travel day for me. Friday's going to be a lot of filming, uh, a lot of fun stuff. Um, You guys will see the video about it next week. Um, And then I'll be, you'll be seeing me on the Running Warehouse channel too. But that's why tomorrow and Friday there won't be a live stream. Mika back says just back from 75 minutes easy seems like I finally worn my Clifton sixes outsoles completely out only midsole left Ooh, that's quite a lot how many miles did that take Ooh. Mm. Andrew wants to know if I signed up for the potential mass participation marathon that's going on with the Olympic marathon I haven't signed up for that yet what do I gotta I, I gotta figure that out because I think you gotta like run so many Garmin miles to do that I've got some in now Probably not enough because I had tested the 255 and the 945. But I don't know if I have to sign up for something first and then they start counting or I don't know. We'll see. Um, Midlife Runner wants to know what's the 5K goal? I think somewhere, I mean, I'm going to adjust it, uh, you know, as I get a couple of workouts in and see how my body's responding to the speed uh, workouts. Um, But I'm thinking I'd like to be, you know, my my goal before I started, well, the short answer is around 1830. <laughs> That's the short answer. So somewhere around there, but we'll see. Mm. All right, I'm going to scroll down a little bit more and see what we get. Um, yeah, Andrew said you can message me and I can let you know how to get signed up. All right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to do that. Um yeah, Eric says, I'd love to run a sub 25K, maybe the next goal after Leadville. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, the only thing that would be more different is if you were trying to set a mile PR, Eric. Like going from Leadville, one of the most difficult 100 mile <laughs> races, to a 5K, that's, 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 that's range. That's a lot, that's versatility there, Eric. That's amazing. Um, MA wants to know if I've tried the Endorphin Pro 3. I haven't yet. Oh, you know, I thought it came out yesterday. I probably missed out on the first round. Because uh, I thought it came out yesterday, right? I got to order a pair. Um, so how can you send me a bunch of shoes, all their shoes last year? But they didn't send, I don't, they've sent me some this year. I don't, but no one's talked to me about the the Endorphin Pro 3 or the Speed 3. So I'm going to have to wait till they come out. So, um, Rodby says, you should do a five times 1K at goal pace with 200 meter recovery as a peak workout. You know, that, I used to do that. Um, I know, I, the workout that I used to do was uh, five times 800 at goal, at goal 5K speed and then one 1,000 so that I would get like six reps. Um, and I usually would do it with a 400-meter jog. Or did I do a two? I think I did a 200-meter jog. So I've done that workout before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I may... That that may come later. I'm following Jack Daniels. That'll uh, be more specific in the next video. Um, I I, well, I pulled a lot of his workouts out for what I do for marathon training. And so I figured, you know what, let's go there for 5K training as well. Especially since his book spends a lot of time talking about 5K, 10K training. Um, so a lot of the workouts that I'm doing now are pulling from there. So the recoveries, the distances, and the paces are going to come from there for a while. Um, I don't quite have the amount of time as is with the marathon training. I never have enough time to do the plans as dictated by Jack Daniels running formula, but I'll kind of just modify it and cherry pick a little bit. Um, and we'll see where we get. (laughs) Eric says now he's going to go for the mile PR. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And Adam said, do it on a, do a downhill pass. That's funny. Do it like a downhill mile. That's fun. Yeah, Adam's saying everybody, the coach, not the whiskey. That's right. 
All right. We'll do one uh, shoe question, and then we'll get going for a day or for the week. Uh, Robert Krieger says, should I pick up the Glide Ride 3s for a marathon block long runs, or will the Novus 3s cover the long runs and more, or should I get both? Um, I really like the Glide Ride 3s for long runs, but I think it's going to depend on how you want to do your long runs and how many shoes you want to have. I think that if you're not super excited about having like four or five different shoes for your marathon training, then I think the Novus 3s will cover you. Um, if you want like an easy, like low, low, steady distance, um, long, steady distance shoe, uh, then I think the Glide Ride 3 is excellent for that. I love it for recovery runs. I love it for long, slow distance. The way that I've been doing a lot of my long runs, uh, for the past couple of training blocks is that I tend to wear, uh, race shoes for them. Um, one is so that I can test the race shoes cause I have a lot to get through. Um, which is always a lot of fun, but also because like, instead of doing, I, f I feel like I've built a, a certain amount of like aerobic base. So I feel like I do the long run. It'll be a long warm up, three to five mile warm up, and then have like, for example, like 10 miles at marathon effort and then a couple miles of cool down. And to do that, I usually bring a carbon plated shoe with me. So I don't really pick a shoe for long, slow. I don't really do long, slow distance that much anymore. Um, so that's like another thing to consider of like, what kind of long runs are you going to be having? If they're going to have some pace changes in it, I don't love the glide three for pace changes. I think that the glide three is a very great cushioned, like midweek long run shoe, really great recovery shoe, really great everyday trainer shoe, as long as it's easy. Um, but once you start changing paces, I don't, I don't love it so much. So hopefully that gives a little bit of more information for you to help make the decision. All right. Um, I think that's a good place to end it for today, everybody. Um, just as a reminder, no more live streams this week. I'm going to be in California um, shooting up some, shooting up, shooting some fun <laughs> content for you guys to see next week. I'm really looking forward to uh, going out there this weekend and also sharing the adventure with you guys. So keep in tune for that. The next time I'll, I'll, I'll have another video between now and when i see you guys again but the next live stream will be monday when i get back i'll get back sunday night so we'll do it a live, live stream monday same time as today 1 p.m central time i got a bunch of food from the feed so we'll be actually test, testing out some runner food as well so uh i'm looking forward to that so uh have a good run this weekend guys stay cool don't get caught up in too much heat drink your electrolytes top up on your fluids and uh be safe out to everybody thanks <laughs>